It's about mindset, it's about entrepreneurship, and it's about career growth. Whatever we consume on a daily basis will mm. definitely influence us. It felt so amazing that there just wasn't any going back. I couldn't give myself plan B. It has to be commit to plan A. In a while, huh? Yeah. Oh, really? Am I your like, first guest? Yeah. Welcome to the podcast. Um, welcome back in a very uh, new space for us. Uh, it's super cool to be uh, in the metaverse doing this podcast with you guys. I want to welcome um, both Faisal and Bigum from Ilsur. Welcome, guys. Hi, good to be here. Hi, guys. Thank you for uh, thank you for having us. Very excited to to chat about the metaverse. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for joining us. Tom's going to be joining us very shortly. He's just doing an outfit change. <laughs> but uh, just as an introduction, Elsor is the world's first designer-rented metaverse platform, uh, transitioning the world into the metaverse by creating unique spaces. Super excited to get down and, and into the details of this. Could you tell us a little bit more about what you guys do? Um, yes, sure. I can I can start it off and then hand it over to, to Bengal maybe to, to talk a little bit more in detail. But um, in general, Illusor is a, as you said, a design-oriented metaverse platform, and we currently have three divisions in the company. So we have Illusor Platform, Illusor Studio, and Illusor Tech. Um, Illusor Platform is the kind of B2C division where we create um, spaces, experiences, a full-scale platform, uh, which is cross-chain, meaning it's built on multiple blockchains, and it has all the necessary features that you would expect, you know, like a NFT marketplace, uh, customizable avatars, um, you know, a native token that you can use as well. Um, and then we have Elusa Studio, which is the B2B uh, division, which focuses on building uh, platforms and experiences for other companies. So we've worked with companies like BMW, um, TRT, which is a Turkish radio television corporation, um, ABB Robotics, and some other, uh, you know, global brands as well. Um, and then we have Elusa Tech, which is currently designing a metaverse engine as well as a design oriented asset generator and that is really just to give accessibility to um, creators and developers as well who want to build for the metaverse as well as allowing just the general public who want to generate their own assets using our very kind of specific design language as well uh, so that's kind of an overview of what we, where we are at the moment in terms of the different divisions and our focus in the metaverse uh, but I can let, you know, Beko maybe talk a little bit more in detail and give you some ideas about the projects that we've worked on and, um, you know, what we do. Thank you, Faisal. We are creating bespoke custom experiences, which is very important for us. So design is in very much core of everything that we create in Resort. And the scale that we operate in Resort, the designs that we do is from a face mask to an urban meta city. So uh, we are focusing on creating various different scales and experiences together with that created accordingly. Amazing. And I think, you know, when it comes to the experience, design plays a, ma a major role in this, you know, the, the user experience, the, you know, from, from a user experience perspective, or even from uh, a design perspective. How did you see the adoption so far? Of course, you know, everybody's interested to, to, to experience the metaverse, but how, how, in your opinion, what do you think the adoption rate is at the moment and how do you feel that's going to progress in the future? Maybe I can take that question. Adoption rate, of course, um, I think there's a gap between what has been projected and the reality in terms of what people are expecting for that. When, when we think of from the brand's perspective, the adoption rate from our side is quite high. 
because what we, if you're if you're trying to create custom virtual experiences, uh, the brands that we're working on are projects. The, the specific need of it needs some time to design, create it, tailor it for its needs. So uh, such projects take time, and every month is like a year in these times that we are in, right? So as we yeah. develop, the technologies are getting advanced. So the adoption rate is not a concern for us. It's actually right now everything that we are doing, all the optimizations, all the design ideas, we are testing it with the with the people who are um, adapted to the current ecosystem. And as we go every month, it's increasing, which is very good for us. And as we were doing our projects almost for more than three years in the virtual experience uh, area, what we know for for sure is the only way to create a great virtual experience is with the experience itself. So that's what we did uh, to work with multiple brands and create various projects we are not talking about hypothetical potentials everything that we are doing is coming with experience that we have seen with failures and successes altogether because there was such there was such nothing as a metaverse education right and uh, to be one of the early comers in the industry means that uh, it gives you a responsibility to also educate yourself from the beginning but right now, what we're doing is also give that to the community as we launched our, it is our education, where we educate people in various aspects of the metaverse. Amazing. Um, there's so many, you know, there's so many industries that are trying to integrate with Web3 and the metaverse. From a, from a tourism perspective, of course, I've heard a few stories about, I think Japanese airlines wanted to create uh, virtual experiences for people that can't travel, but still want to experience different parts of the world. Uh, and I know that you guys have had some some basically creation in, in the tourism space. Uh, did you guys work with the uh, Turkish, was it the Turkish uh, Tourism Board? Uh, yeah, we work with Turkish government uh, for its media services. We are creating uh, a, basically a broadcasting metaverse experience for TRT's 16 different channels. Uh, which means also, which is very interconnected with the tourism itself, because what we are doing in that project is create a three-dimensional storytelling for a news media company, uh, which is also uh, giving information by the geographical layers of the news that we are coming from. So for us, a metaverse design is not only about how we see this room, it's about how we are basically making all the elements which what we call as content or assets, uh, we can call it both for this case, and how we are positioning them and how we are customizing that for that project. And if we are creating that three-dimensional news storytelling, then it means that if that news is broadcasted from New York, then we would be able to give that experience uh, of that specific location and the importance of that news. So, that kind of experiences uh, are very interesting for us because then makes it non-generic. It's not about meeting in a space and meeting with our avatars. It's about how can we get more layers and how can we actually give more than physical life?
because uh, what we're always pushing our limits is we don't want to mimic the physical life as it is. And Faisal can elaborate more on this subject because this is something that we don't compromise as a result. We would never be able to actually, we would never want to create a twins of the existing spaces or twins of the existing experiences. We do that, but we always add more layers to it because that's what creates a good virtual experience. That something that you cannot actually execute in the physical life. Uh, it's not about the technological constraints of physical life. It's about giving the full potential of being an avatar needs to be done. Understood. Yeah. I really like that um, that perspective about utilizing the technology to create experiences that that are not replicating real life, but creating experiences that you can't have in real life. I think that's um, that, that there's so much opportunity within that. What are some of the challenges? I know through Illusor Studio, you work with a variety of brands and, and, and departments, individuals uh, to, to help educate, help people take their first steps. You mentioned earlier with regards to, to brands themselves. Um, what are some of the, the the key issues that uh, that brands are faced with when when you first initiate conversation with them about taking a brand into the metaverse. I know a lot of our clients they they hear these buzzwords, they kind of get a little bit unsure. They they know that they should be doing something in that space, but they haven't figured out what that looks like yet. So how do you help onboard a client and, and take them through their first steps? Um, perhaps I can start off and then uh, hand it over to Begum to add sure. some more details. Um, but I think uh, at first, it's all about education, right? Um, as you said, it's it's a buzzword at the moment, and not everyone is so comfortable or so knowledgeable about the space, um, especially in order to, you know, commission a complete project in, in the area. So the first thing that we do is try to educate the client um, in, you know, the macro of the metaverse, Web3, blockchain, and the specifics of what their industry uh, perhaps could, you know, potentially do in the space and what we could do to contribute to that. Um, so, for example, uh, the macro would be first explaining what the metaverse is and simply, you know, stating that it's the future of the Internet when it's integrated with XR, right, extended reality. So whether it's VR, AR, MR, whatever future other, you know, realities also come into place. Um, and then also, you know, get deeper about um, the different types of platforms that exist at the moment. And we also have like, you know, um, decks that we send out to, to clients. Um, explaining how, you know, uh, a platform like Spatial, for example, is different from a Decentraland, different from a, a Roblox, different from a Sandbox, Somnium, and all the other platforms that exist, all the different features, advantages, etc. And also what the difference is between um, hosting or, or creating a space on an existing metaverse platform versus creating your own kind of custom experience under your own domain, right? What are the advantages and disadvantages? And um, usually we give the advice that um, it's not an either or situation. Uh, it's it's actually uh, both compatible and they both actually help each other out. So for example, the counterpart to that with the current internet today is uh, the example of having an account on a social media platform like Instagram or Twitter and also having your own website, right? So you can have an uh, account on an existing, uh, you know, existing metaverse platform and experience there, but also have your own custom experience under your domain which is completely, um, you know, adaptable and customized to your own needs and your own kind of industry. Um, so that's one thing. Really and like then that, you kind of so go into, yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Faz. I was just going to say, I really like the the example you gave of a website versus uh, an account on a social platform. I think it's, it's incredibly um, 
yeah, it's very insightful because it, it it really does position it in the in the mind in the right way, right? So the 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 traffic already exists on social channels, so you need to be where your where your customers already are. But then you want a, a, a more rich, integrated experience on your website, a space that you can own, a space that you can control, and a journey that you can manage. Um, so you essentially looking for prospects or prospective customers or engaging with um, with your target audience in in the in the various metaverses where you say Roblox, Sandbox, Decentraland, etc. Uh, and then potentially bringing them across to your own space to have a, a richer experience, whatever that might be. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, you, you, you put it perfectly. That's exactly what we kind of tell clients and, and advise them to, um, to do, right? Have both. It's, it's always better to have that kind of cross-platform um, you know, um, experience. And, um, you know, it, it also depends on what exactly, you know, their needs and their wants are in the metaverse. It could be, for example, to uh, create and sell virtual products. It could be for advertising. It could be for just pure experiences. Um, it could be for events. So different clients have different needs. And usually they might ask, you know, what are the benefits of having this presence in the metaverse. And, uh, you know, we also have like a whole, uh, you know, uh, report and research for this as well. And uh, one that I usually like to use as an example is uh, when it comes to like virtual products, for example, right? Um, there's a, this, this Gucci bag that um, just over a year ago sold for more in the metaverse than in physical reality, right? So in, in, the, in the physical world, it was about $3,400, but uh, the actual virtual bag sold for over $4,000 on uh, Roblox, which was very interesting to me. And that kind of gave an insight as to where the future of, uh, you know, virtual products. And, um, <laughs> I wonder what that price is now. For yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, in the bear market, it'd be, it'd be interesting <laughs> to, to know exactly how much how much it is for sure. Um, but, but, you know, what's interesting for me is uh, not so much that specific example, but what it means for the future, you know, virtual products, because it made me really think about, you know, what, what it means to have a virtual product versus a physical one, because both definitely have their advantages, right? Even something as simple as like wear and tear, right? When you buy like a physical product, obviously it has wear and tear, and over the years it might degrade and so on. But a virtual product doesn't really have that, um, uh, it doesn't have that, you know, wear and tear nature to it because it's not physical. And also it doesn't have the limitation of, you know, um, not being able to carry it around everywhere that you are. For example, if you're going to travel, you can carry all your belongings with you, right? Or just in your day-to-day -day activities. But as a virtual product, you can literally turn on and off any uh, product you have at any time. So you kind of have it with you at all times. So there's just these kind of fundamental differences. And it's, it's just very interesting for me, especially as a researcher, kind of thinking about what these differences are and where the future, you know, the space is, uh, is headed. Um, but yeah, yeah, for sure, it, these are kind of just uh, examples and educational services as well that we offer to clients, which I think it's very important when when stepping into a new uh, you know industry like this. Cool. I think from a creative perspective, uh, you know, I've got a few questions that I'd, I'd like to know your thoughts on as well. How much of the creators community, and, and by that I mean anybody who's interested to come in and, and learn how to create an experience or, you know, actively, you know, uh, do something in the metaverse that is of a creation nature versus an experiential audience. Uh, and, and the reason why I'm asking that is because, of course, there are so many different creators on the social platforms. Are we going to, do you feel like we're going to start seeing the, the emerge of creators in the metaverse? And that, how can platforms support those creators to create things in the metaverse? Um, I think that's a great question. 
And I think that has to do with the nature of Web3 and the nature of the metaverse itself, right? Because that's one of the most fundamental um, differences between Web2 and Web3, and especially the kind of ethos of the metaverse. Uh, having creators become a fundamental part of, of ownership as well in the metaverse, right? Um, that's the whole concept of whether it's blockchain or NFTs or these kind of new assets uh, in the metaverse, you know, giving creators the ability to create, monetize, trade, and own these uh, these assets that they create for the metaverse. So for sure, I think it's a very, very healthy environment for the creators, especially in kind of our space. Uh, we come from the avant-garde sector of architecture, right? These, these kind of like frontiers where people really experiment and put boundaries. And uh, pretty much everyone in the, the space of, has delved, you know, straight into the metaverse, uh, especially recently in the last year or so. Uh, everyone's kind of experimenting in the space, creating NFT projects, um, you know, uh, uh, creating spaces and experiences on existing platforms. Uh, a lot of people are, you know, reaching out to us to also work with us and create these amazing projects. We also have, you know, our creators collective program. We have a verification system as well for our platform where we have verified creators, where we collaborate to create, you know, different collections and projects. So I think it's a very, very um, healthy and exciting space for creators at the moment. Um, but in terms of like the general public, um, I think this also has to do with the adoption question earlier. I think what's happening now is we are at a very early stage of a new macro macro innovation. Um, so the way I like to look at it is you can compare it to the internet, right? To Web 1.0 and Web 2.0. Um, so I usually say, you know, um, the same way the internet was contingent on computers to become successful and social media was contingent on mobile phones to become successful. I believe the metaverse is contingent on a specific type of device to really become a household name, to really become um, the kind of technology and innovation that every single person on the planet is not only aware of, but is involved in. And I believe, and this is just my personal opinion based on you know the research I've been doing over the past couple of years, but I believe that device is uh, you know smart glasses. I believe once that is really done and done right, um, it's going to become, uh, it's going to replace the current internet that we have. And that's when, you know, mass adoption becomes uh, quite uh, quite obvious, you know, at, at a macro, macro scale. Um, so, yeah, that, that's kind of my, my thoughts on, uh, you know, creators versus the general public in the metaverse space. I think it's it's a healthy environment at the moment and it's only getting better over the years. Absolutely. And I would like to add a few points on that. Uh, the way that we are enabling the creators communities and people in the creative industry that are motivated to create for the metaverse uh, we are actually hosting a creative collectors program and within the creators collective program uh, we are creating verified creators by illusor verified by illusor to be able to operate in illusor's metaverse projects so this point this project and this program is quite unique for us because what we realized is uh, the working methodology, working model is highly changing in the current uh, creative economy. Uh, it's not like a normal employee-employer model. And, and as everything is shifting, the way that people are working, the way that creative economy is uh, operating is changing as well. And what, what is really important for us is for people not, not creating for that moment's hype and if if we are talking about a successful metaverse creator artist uh, sometimes 
it might be misleading to see some very appealing visuals artistically, but it's not about purely visuals anymore. Everything is interconnected with the technology and the future of the technology as well. So a great teamwork and community, collective community is very important. So it's not the time for being a, a quoting this like a solo artist. It's a very collaborative environment. It's actually basically the essence of Web 3.0, no? Web 3.0 is bringing us a new way of also decentralized working. And I think we're adapting it to our ecosystem as well. Right, Faisal? Very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, with, with the rise of the new, of course, like, you know, AI arts, I think the the threshold of creating something visually interesting is becoming super low now and anybody can well the accessibility of great looking interesting images is uh, is becoming more and more accessible for people to create so i think it's more about that community that you can build around you and what's perhaps the story and narrative behind your art pieces that people would want to buy into as well um but that's that's super cool i think you know from and, and I, I really connect with uh, what, what you were saying Faisal, about that one product that's gonna you know give accessibility for a lot of people to experience, uh, whether it's a hybrid reality or the metaverse, or, you know, an elements um, of the digital world in the real world as well. Do you feel a complete immersion in the, in the metaverse space, you know, something similar to spatial or any of, of the other platforms um, as a metaverse space versus the, you know, hybrid uh, reality or, you know, where we kind of wear the glasses and you're going out and, and you're using those functionalities what version of those two do you think is going to become more useful for us and more popular? Um, yeah, so I, I think you're, you're hinting at exactly what I'm, what I'm saying, right? Because I think the reason, um, you know, for example, we have VR goggles, which are very, very um, optimized, actually, at the moment. You know, they're still improving with, you know, the Oculus, of course, the MetaQuest being the leader in the space, but it's still being improved. But I think at the moment, it's, it's very optimized and very functional. But the problem is people don't really want to be completely cut off from physical reality. Um, no matter how great the metaverse is, people still want to have some sort of connection with the physical world that they, you know, have evolved over 500,000 years or whatever to, to kind of, you know, be, be, uh, be, be optimized in. But, you know, having a sort of device that allows you to seamlessly transition between the metaverse and the physical reality, between virtual reality, augmented reality, mixed reality, and physical reality, something that allows you to really be in both places at once is going to be the type of device that most people would be, um, you know, would be kind of um, more more likely to invest in, more likely to, to, to use on a daily basis. And also, I think another thing is um, the, the, the spaces or the experiences that people will, will tend to um, use more in the future are not so much the worlds, right? It's not so much the large scale kind of these gamified or game-like worlds. It's more so very specific curated experiences, much like the one we're in right now. Um, because the internet is not exactly physical reality. As Begum was saying earlier, it's not physical reality just kind of transitioned or, or, or uh, replicated in the virtual world. It's more so experiences and the internet being transitioned into a more immersive environment. So it's it's activities that you currently do in the, on the internet, right? Things like having meetings, right? Things like um, uh, perhaps maybe social media or social spaces. 
uh, things like streaming, whether it's music or movies or, or other kind of content. It's activities that you currently do or even like banking or whatever activities you might do on the current internet, but creating a spatialized, um, you know, immersive experience of that uh, in the metaverse. And I think this is a perfect example of that because normally we might have done this on a, you know, video conference call uh, that uses, yeah. you know, the, the normal 2D configuration, but this is a lot more immersive. Mm -hmm. And you can only imagine how much better this gets once you have a you know device that kind of optimizes the, the experience as well. When we have when we have accurate avatars, we'll be a good start, right? But um, uh, Faisal, really interesting what you were saying there about the the, the progression of internet rather than let's say uh, um, real life spaces. I think this is a good segue into into tourism in the metaverse. Um, it's something that we that we focus on as an agency uh, extensively in the culture and tourism space, and we believe that tourism is. And it's potentially going to be one of the most significantly impacted industries by the development of the metaverse in, in, in many different ways. Um, whether that be through many experiences, uh, curated experiences, although uh, that would be from taking real life experiences and trying to, I suppose, trying to replicate elements of them in the uh, in the metaverse. I think the, the recent announcements from Abu Dhabi just in that, I think today or yesterday uh, with regards to uh, moving Yas Island into the metaverse, and they were trying to replicate um, the entirety of Yas Island in different ways, from buying property, uh, renting property, uh, socializing, um, play, create, transact, uh, and all sorts. And they're building that out on... on uh, they were a little bit un, unclear in terms of the press release whether they're building that in Sandbox, Roblox, or, um, or both, or a third environment which is specifically owned by them. So maybe there's a few different things that will actually play out, but the announcements have said that they're they're launching this in Q uh, Q1 of next year, which will be really interesting to see how that um, how that does work. And where do you see the biggest opportunities in the in the tourism space? Um, we're 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 in, we're in a location in Dubai in in the UAE uh, that's very heavily reliant on uh, the tourism industry. So it'll be interesting to see how. Dubai's metaverse strategy, UAE's uh, wider strategy, and, and you know what they're doing in Abu Dhabi um, actually plays out and has an effect on the on the tourism industry here. Where do you see the the biggest opportunities in that space? It's a huge opportunity, and there are several opportunities to be created in the tourism space. From the vision side and storytelling side, it's a multi-layered approach that we can create. For example. Uh, to give the idea of a space, idea of a location, not with just the videos or photos, all of them coming together with the 3D elements as well, is really making people very, very interested in that space and interactivity as well. And even the avatar, like, can you imagine you design an avatar that is specifically representing that one unique element of that tourism area. And all of these things, because tourism is also about creating experiences, physical experiences that people are going to remember over the years, over the years of, you know, uh, after a year, you remember that space that you went, uh, even if it's a far or very close by. And to create that simulations in the virtual industry is very important. But not only that, even buying a ticket, that's an experience itself that is maybe changing your decisions. Maybe you understand something that you wouldn't be able to uh, get that information from a 
two-dimensional mentality website because even I'm sure you know the best in that uh, even to cr create that creation of multiple information that you squeeze one landing page are we enough is it enough for that our minds are also expanding together with all the technological developments our minds human mind is right now uh, able to process a lot of amount of data which is of course psychologically might be overwhelming for us uh, by the way we have been uh, Faisal as our research director can give more information about that but we have been involved in a lot of uh, academical research studies about the relationship between the neuroscience and human brain and the metaverse itself and we have been conducting the research in Oxford University uh, to contribute that research but coming to our point if you can imagine the amount of time and the linear information flow in your brain when you're in a website, whereas in a space like this, uh, with our mouse, we can just see a 360 degree of everything. And maybe in five seconds, I can get your names and the logo of the space and everything fits in a non-linear way. So tourism is a very good opportunity to do that because then the experience that you are basically offering you are creating the things that you cannot do in the physical life as well. So there are lots of supporting industries of tourism mm -hmm. and to be able to host that supporting industries in the metaverse is also very important. I think it gives people the opportunity, it's almost like a try before you buy, right? <laughs> um, I think it gives us the opportunity. I, I, I agree with what you're saying in terms of the uh, mixed experiences going back to your earlier point that that can only happen in in, in the metaverse or in, a, in some sort of a hybrid um in some sort of a hybrid way but it's I, I remember seeing a video quite early on in in um in these conversations and it was it might have been put out by microsoft or maybe it was meta um facebook back then um but somebody walking through the streets of rome um back you know a thousand years ago and it was it was very realistic and they're walking through the streets of rome and the 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 sights the sounds they were engaging and um, with what was going on there and i, and I just thought that and the, the example that was being used was for for education so imagine trying to teach children about ancient rome but actually just walking through the streets and act, and being able to almost be like a, a tour guide and then it was got me thinking a lot about about tourism and the ability to for people to experience something um, as realistic as possible before they actually um, before they actually choose to, to visit in real life and back to Faisal's earlier point you know, when the, when the graphics catch up and we can do this uh, in in ultra um, ultra high definition and, and, and as close to reality as possible there'll be an incredible way to to somewhat experience a location um, and ex uh, 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 whether it be a, you know it could be a destination it could be a cultural site it could be um, the tallest building in the world it could be all of these things but um, I, I think there's a real opportunity for people to experience things before they decide to jump on an airplane and, and, and fly to a location so I, I see that as a, as a real opportunity as well absolutely and also i would like to add one point on that we will be we need to be honest to ourselves and to our communities that there, there are some certain physical experiences that we don't even need to replicate them in the digital life like it's for the physical life for example going and see swimming right if i am going to a space yeah. for specifically that reason like there's no point of trying to 
that's in my opinion, uh, trying to mimic that. Uh, but if we can, in this, let's say, early metaverse era, if we can define what is good in hybrid, what is good in virtual, what is good in physical, how can we improve that hybridness, digitalness of it? It's very important. Mm -hmm. Like the most common question that we both, Faisal and I, are facing is like, yeah, but like, what will happen when everything is going to be metaverse? Like, would we want to live in that? No, of course we are. It's it's uncomparable. Uh, like, I never, yeah. uh, like, I really never compared my physical experience with the digital one in terms of uh, if it's not a meeting. Like, but if it's, if it's a meeting, if it's a social aspect, it changes in the way that uh, we always do that. I think with the, you know, virtualness of the communication starts with the adaptation of the meeting, uh, like different platforms before the metaverse, 2D ones. But basically, the social aspect is also very important for the tourism as well. Like then it comes to the yeah. community. Maybe I am meeting with the uh, language groups there that is supporting my experience. Absolutely. I think yeah, that's super interesting. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. yeah, I was just, I was just going to say, you touched on something that, uh, that you know, I'll, I'll probably want to dig a little bit deeper on as well in terms of the human evolution or the connection between our technology today and you know, from a neuroscience perspective, how much of the, you know, let, let's take the new generation for example. When we were growing up, there wasn't something, anything called the metaverse, or three, or you know, the this other verse that we can kind of explore. How much of that do you think? will impact our human evolution and also you know i think in, in my opinion we're we're a little bit of all of us are kind of like cyborgs walking around with with our phones nobody you know nobody can live without their phone probably for for you wouldn't be comfortable living without their phone so i think the integration between technology and our day-to-day -day life is already there but as we integrate even more how do you think that impacts uh, whether it's our social behaviors our evolution in general What's your thoughts on that? Um, so I can talk about that a little bit. So this is actually ongoing research being done at the moment. And um, honestly, there's there's not enough long-term data to give a comprehensive answer for this. And you know, no one in the world can give you a, a direct com a comprehensive answer for it. But based on all the ongoing research and all the peer-reviewed uh, you know papers being published and the experiments being done at the moment, um, there's specific kind of like detail that you can give. For example, um, when it comes to complete immersive experiences like in virtual reality, there might be some restrictions for certain people, for example. Um, it might not be advisable for kids under the age of uh, you know, 11 or 13 to be completely immersed in these experiences all the time, all day. Or it might not be advisable for women who might be pregnant to have certain kinds of experiences in the metaverse. Uh, but for the general public, you know, it's usually there's not that much limitations. What um, but for example, an optometrist or a neuroscientist might advise is that, you know, you maximize your time spent in complete immersion to 30 to 45 minutes per you know, session. And if you're you know, planning to go longer than that in complete immersion, there's certain kind of eye drops that you can take in order to keep your eyes, you know, um, from going dry and to keep your eyes you know, uh, focused as well during that experience. So there's like, for example, all of these different, um, uh, different experiments and papers being published in space. But at the same time, while all of this is being done, the technology itself is also being built and uh, innovated in order to adapt to all of the restrictions and all of the limitations that currently exist. 
And I, I know that MetaQuest is uh, researching and, and working very, very heavily in this area. Uh, they also have a, you know, a, a very, very advanced research team. And they actually have different research programs where they, uh, you know, they pay different universities and different, um, uh, you know, think tanks to do research for them in order to, you know, improve on their technology as well. Um, so, so I think the future of the technology is actually going to be better than what currently exists. Because I think, um, you know, talking about evolution, for example, uh, human beings evolved, um, especially when it comes to our, um, uh, whether it's psychology, our eyesight, uh, or our you know own belt as they call it in philosophy. Um, I, I think we evolved in order to experience reality in three dimensions or you know four dimensional space time, right? Not to experience the world in two dimensions through whether it's mobile phones or computers or whatever devices kind of have screens. So I think it's actually a lot more um, compatible with our evolutionary nature, right? To have some sort of device that's connected to our eyes um, that allows us to experience. Uh, three-dimensional spaces as opposed to just two-dimensional images or videos on a device. And um, just to kind of maybe speak a little bit more abstractly in the future of where the space is headed, um, smart glasses, I believe, are the uh, you know mid to long-term future. But the long-term future of this space or technology is actually going to transition into BMIs, brain-machine interfaces. And I know this might sound like a bit of a, you know, far stretch at the moment are we talking about but, the Neuralink? Um, you know with projects like Neuralink, yeah exactly yeah. exactly projects like Neuralink at the moment you know what elon musk is doing i believe that yeah. is the future of where all of this is headed you know connecting yeah, with think, the ais I... and with the internet and with each other as well yeah. sure and I, th I think you're absolutely right i think so, the, the whole three-dimensional you know four-dimensional aspect of of the metaverse as it develops and as it gets uh, a lot more intricate, it's it's perhaps even gonna the the lines between the real reality and and you know the, the meta reality cut will, will kind of be very very thin. Um, but and also just want to shed some light on AI. I think we've seen the the very fast evolution of of AI in, in let's say the the imagery world and, and even like video world. Uh, you know, you can type a few words in and sentence, and and these amazing imagery starts showing up. How much of that do you think will get uh, to play in the metaverse world by creating experiences or even spaces in the metaverse through those AI machine learning um, programs? Yeah, so in, in our space right now, that's a that's a very, very big thing. Over the last, uh, I'll say, four to five months, I can't go on my Instagram without seeing a, a complete timeline of, you know, Dolly or Midjourney images, you know, being generated yeah. by creators. And uh, it's, it's very exciting what's happening. Uh, but I, I believe this is only the very, very, you know, start of what's about to happen. Um, because um, once the technology of computer vision kind of transfers from, especially right now, it's, it's very big in the, uh, in the, in the self-driving car industry, um, you know, machine learning and using, uh, computer vision is basically, you know, using um, AI machine learning to understand objects and images, right? What, what objects actually are. So when a computer takes a picture of a, you know, of a car, actually knowing that, okay, that's a car, that's a house, et cetera. So once that actually transfers into creation or design, and it's able to not only create 2D images, but 3D spaces and objects, I believe that is going to take things to a whole nother level. And that is uh, mm -hmm. slightly related to what, um, you know, me and Begum were speaking about earlier with um, what we're doing through Elusive Technology. So we're also creating um, a design-oriented asset generator. And the idea behind this is to use 
um, you know, both our very specific design language and our, you know, expertise in design to allow users to generate their own assets and their own content for the metaverse. So just by picking certain features or different attributes and also using machine learning to kind of train the algorithms as to the preferences of the user uh, themselves. So the user might not know what their preferences exactly are. Because, you know, as crazy as that might sound today, you know, computers and algorithms actually understand us better than we do ourselves, right? They can suggest things that yeah. we might not know, we might not have known to suggest ourselves. So using also training, you know, uh, machine learning and uh, AIs, you can actually generate assets that, you know, um, humans or, you know, users and, and uh, the audience might, might want as well. So I think AI will definitely pay, play a very, very big part in the metaverse and in creation of, of assets. But right now, I think the 2D content is only a very, very small start of what's about to come in the future with like 3D complete spaces and, you know, um, complete models and 3D objects and, and so on. So it's very, very, very exciting for sure. I think, Tom, I think we need to start yes. working on an AI uh, machine learning for our clients to, to write their scopes. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. It's a whole different, uh, different ballgame when we go down that route. Um, Fazal, really interesting what you're saying there. If I was... Um, if I was a creator, let's say you know, we, we have a, a large creative team at the agency, what advice would you be giving to to an art director um, from the more traditional um, sense of the term with regards to where things will be going next? Because what you basically said is that there's the commoditization of, of a lot of the content that's being produced today, right? So if... Um, if you're in that space currently, and that's you know that's your that's your employment, what, what would you advise people in that space to be looking at, and what direction to be going in? Um, okay, so there's two things I would say. Um, the first is how to monetize and how to contribute to the ongoing, uh, uh, you know, I'd say Web three space, and the second is to how to adapt to the innovation of the technologies of the future, because um, you know when it comes to AI and machine learning. Um, or, or, you know, just technology in general, you know, anytime new technology comes about, which threatens an industry, a lot of people are scared to the future of, you know, whether they'll have jobs and whatnot. And this is not only mm. specific to creators or designers, this is basically any industry in the world, right? But in, in, you know, when it comes to AI specifically right now for designers, and this is a conversation I have a lot with like architects and designers as well. But when it comes to creators in general, I think um, the, the, the best thing to do is to really try to interface and adapt to what is to come because if you if you see it as a threat then it might become a threat right if you, you see it as a threat in the sense that you don't want to use for example ai generators or algorithms to you know uh, integrate into your you know methodology or whatever then it might become a, a threat because people that do might uh, become a lot more efficient than you but if you do if you really understand what ais are which are basically just uh, you know, senseless algorithms, just, you know, binary digits, ones and zeros, just processing information mm. in a way that human beings can't, not actually thinking for themselves or creating for themselves. They're only doing the bidding of what the uh, the coder of the computer engineer, uh, you know, uh, sort of yeah. initiates. Once you understand that, just that very basic fundamental notion of what AIs are, then it becomes a lot less threatening for, for a creator, right? It becomes a lot more inviting to collaborate yeah. as a yeah, co-author mm. as well. Because then it's just a it's just a tool, right? I mean, you could look at this from a exactly. Let's look at in our industry uh, and how the landscape has changed over the last years. If you look at traditional agencies versus digital agencies, there was you know, there was a lot of people that didn't necessarily adapt and, and are in um, 
you know, are, are in employed in different ways now. You know, the, the, the industry moved quite quickly, and some people, to be honest, got left behind, and you know, and others flourished. So, I think as with all of all changing technologies, it, it's about adaptation, right? As, as you've said, it's about um, being inquisitive, being curious, investigating what's coming next, and making sure that not necessarily leading the charge, but you're, you're not getting left behind either, because like it or not things are going to be changing. I think there's exponential change across uh, so many areas of our lives. I think the next decade or two is going to be is going to be <laughs> the level of disruption. I don't think anyone can really fathom at the moment from, you know, from, from blockchain technology changing the way governments operate, the way the banking system and the entire financial system across the globe works, that there will be so much disruption in, in so many of these spaces that there will be jobs that are created and there will be jobs that become obsolete. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's a that's another um, that's another thing I wanted to to say. You know, the kind of blockchain, um, the blockchain integration, and how creators should really understand the benefits of using blockchain technology, right? Really understand why it's it's beneficial or why it's useful to to, to integrate blockchain into your methodology, and and you know, trade, monetize, and own this technology using uh, blockchain. Um, it's the best thing to do at the moment is once you create, try to document or try to you know mint everything as a as an NFT or you know just some sort of blockchain integration into your workflow because the future of digital content is going to be you know blockchain uh, integrated, and if you don't start now, then you might get you know left behind as uh, you know as as you said about you know uh, creative agencies in the past and not transitioning to digital. Um, one last question from from me. Uh, to, to Begum, to Faisal, to, to either of you. Um, if we look around the world at the moment, the world is not in a great place. Geopolitically, macroeconomically, uh, the situation in many regions is, is not uh, looking particularly good at this point. Um, the inevitable impact on the investment and speculation in Web3, crypto, metaverse projects, etc. Um, in that context, where do you see the industry going from, from here? You know, we've spoken about the Web3 or crypto winter uh, things are not in the in, in the best place at this point, but how do you see this as part of the journey and where, where do we go from here? Uh, we will wait and see, that's for sure. I will give that political answer, but other than <laughs> that, I think with the, all things happening, good and bad, bad and good, in the world right now, uh, one thing that people adopted, which is, I think, a very good behavior, is we learn to have a multiple hats so everyone is kind of, uh, it's not about only the Web 3.0, but where we are as human beings is kind of very uh, multitasking, like multi-profession. Uh, so nobody is accepting a limit anymore. Everyone is kind of uh, responsible for their passions. That's my observation. Uh, but also there are lots of tools available for people to improve themselves and to be able to have multiple uh, decisions or, you know, change your decision, change your career, uh, have have a contribution to your um, specific area of interest. So I know this might sound a bit, you know, very optimistic, but I think this kind of attitude change in human is what's going to bring a very fast adaptability to the conditions that they're facing, which we call negative right now. 
course, not everything is on our hands as the individuals. There are lots of different things happening in the world, uh, in the governmental levels, or not even that, in the climate level, in environmental level. Uh, but also, as humans, we are evolving to more aware um, individuals. And to come to the point of a metaverse and design, I believe uh, we are all getting more creative. So if you can imagine a kid right now that is interfacing with such technologies from this age, that can you imagine the creativity difference between like our generation, the generation before? Creativity is not a profession. It's not coming with architecture or, you know, going to an art school. Creativity is one of the essence of a human being. We are all born as part of our creativity. Um, so this is the time where collectively as human beings, our creativity is more triggered. And I'm very curious to see how that will affect on people's action, that creativity improvement and the eye improvement, artistic uh, direction feelings. And it's very exciting to say that as an architect, uh, to really have more broad uh, people and also a community who's looking for good designs. You know, like this is something that it was considered as a luxury before that. Right now, the design is not a luxury. It's an essential for battery point of for it to evolve. Absolutely, absolutely, I, I fully agree. And I think if we're not if we're not the ones that are that are optimistic and positive about it, then who, then who is? Yeah, look, exactly. it's now the first podcast in the in spatial. Hopefully, we'll evolve into other spaces and uh, other meta metaverses. <laughs> but uh, guys, thank you very much for for joining us on this uh, on this podcast and spending time with us uh, in the space. Thank, thank you, you so much. much. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it's been it very such cool. Such a pleasure. And next time. Uh, next time, hopefully, we're we're in your in your space in Illusor. It would be great to uh, have a guided tour and maybe build that into a, into a second podcast. We should definitely Absolutely. do that. Absolutely, amazing, amazing. Okay, well, team, thank you so much for joining us. We really do appreciate it. We're obviously connected with some work things in the background as well. And hopefully, we build this relationship and get to spend more time with you. And it's been fascinating for for myself, learning from both of you, and I'm sure our listeners are going to be. And they're going to be really engaged with this because you, you know you've given us a lot of value in the last hours. So thank you very much.